You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. The Rawl family, uh, we have our own traditions during Easter, which I know that I'm sure you do as well. Uh, we uh, make a, a thing called Blarney's, uh, which is a Depression-era kind of cake that we only make uh, during Easter. We dye Easter eggs, we have Easter egg hung, and then we get into, we really dive into what Jesus says to do in the New Testament. We eat double digits worth of pounds of crawfish uh, in, in the afternoon, right? Uh, and then, and then we, we, we dive even deeper into the Gospels, and we as a family watch Jesus Christ Superstar uh, together uh, in our living room. And this year in particular, this year it led to lots of questions. I don't know if my kids were more engaged, or, or uh, maybe they were still recovering from the crawfish. But they had lots of questions. Why did Jesus have to die? Who is this character? Why is Mary Magdalene so upset? It led to lots of questions. And here we are on Resurrection Day, the Pascha, Easter Sunday. And Resurrection offers us more questions. We think, we think that when we get to the empty tomb, all of our questions will be answered. We think that if we just have faith, if we just believe in Jesus enough, all of our questions will be answered And yet, when we read this story from the Gospel of John, I invite you to pay attention to the questions. This whole season of Lent, if you haven't been with us, we've been talking about questions that Jesus asks us throughout Scripture. Why are you afraid? Why are you anxious? What are you looking for? And then we get to the finale. We get to the the highlight of the story. And I invite you to hear the remaining questions that still linger, that are still being asked. So if if you're here today and you still have questions, if you're still wrestling, if if you uh, um, uh, gave up chocolate for the entire season of Lent but you don't feel any better uh, now come Easter, or maybe you gave up chocolate but really that became like just on Thursday and just when you thought about it, you're in the right place. Hear these words from John's Gospel, the 20th chapter. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels 
in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house of the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then, then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Did you hear the questions? Did you hear the questions that are still lingering in this text? It's not that resurrection, it's not necessarily so that faith gives us all of the answers, but it does invite us to ask better questions. Questions we might not have pondered. Questions that bring us to a new place. Questions that the world doesn't have the holy imagination to ask. Let's walk through this text for just a moment. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. John is trying to jog our memories with this text. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the sun is already up, the orchestra is already playing, the lion is laying down with the lamb, but not so in John's gospel. In John's gospel, Mary gets to the tomb while it is still dark. And when she arrives, there's no Jesus. Now, the beginning of John's gospel begins to make sense. At the beginning of John's gospel, it says, In him was life, and life was light. And light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And that light shining in the darkness should remind us of creation itself. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep and God's spirit hovered over the waters. Let there be light. And there was light. And the light was good. And then it says God separated the light from the darkness. It is not so that God created light and dark. It is not so that God created these two eternal forces that would, that would be duking it out for all of eternity for the sake of your soul. No, God created light and separated darkness from it. So of course Jesus was raised in the midst of darkness because 
It's not that with resurrection there is no darkness. It is not that with faith nothing goes wrong. It is not that when we profess that Jesus is Lord, it is not that there still aren't accidents and despair. But it does mean that resurrection outshines these things. These things do not have the final answer. In him was life, and life was light, and light shined in the darkness, and darkness did not overcome it. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. When we read the Gospel of John, this is where we're not reading a play-by-play of the, uh, the stallion fun run that was last week. With John, you have to look above and below and around and break things apart. Like the great theologian Shrek reminds us, John is like a parfait. There are layers to this story. These two men running toward the tomb, pay attention, pay attention to the trajectory. Mary is at the tomb. It is dark. There's no body there. She runs to the disciples. She runs away from the tomb. And in hearing the news, Peter and the beloved disciple run toward the tomb. And it seems that they are filled with with anxiety, it seems that they're filled with maybe excitement to see this thing that Mary has said. But the Gospel of John always asks us to pay attention because some things that look and smell and taste like devotion are not. For example, when Jesus was crucified, Joseph of Arimathea took down Jesus's body And then Nicodemus, do you remember him from John chapter 3? Nick at night, who met Jesus in the dark, and and Jesus said, you must be born again. And he said, I'm not sure mom's going to like that very much, but if Jesus says, uh, we'll we'll, we'll do it. Nicodemus gifts Jesus' body with 100 pounds of costly perfume. And it looks, and it tastes, and it sounds, and it smells like great devotion. Except, why would you gift a body with a hundred pounds of ointment unless you thought that body would be there for a very, very long time? It is a lack of faith, John is highlighting, that those who have power, those who are important, don't yet understand, don't yet know. They are looking in a tomb and they see that the tomb is empty, but they don't yet realize that Christ is alive. Pay attention to the trajectory. Mary sees that the tomb is empty and she runs from it. Peter, the important one, and John, the one who is beloved, they are running to the tomb. They are running to the grave and they're trying to outrun the other. How often, friends, are we trying to outrun our neighbor to the grave? 
when you get up in the morning and you eat your breakfast so that you can get the kids on the bus, so that you can go to work, so that you can come home from work, so that you can get someone to practice, so that you can make dinner, so that you can finally relax, so that you can go to bed at a reasonable hour, means that you have actually done nothing. That's what running to the grave looks like. And we try to outrun our neighbor to that desolate place every day. Mary, however, ran from it. Ran away from the tomb. She is beginning to get a glimpse of the foretaste of resurrection. The disciples run to the tomb, they are running to the grave, and they are underwhelmed at what they see. Scripture says that they, ah, they go home. Ah, they went back to their home. They did not go back to their home saying, guys, you've got to come check this out. They didn't have a prayer meeting. They didn't have an evangelism team say, guys, we need to go look at the tomb, or even just to look for Jesus. They went home. They didn't even turn on unsolved mysteries to see if there were some clues of where Jesus was. They went back home. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and one at the foot. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Why are you weeping? The angels do not chastise her. The angels do not call attention to a lack of faith. The angels don't say, don't cry. There's no crying in baseball. Stop it. Stop being silly. Jesus is alive. Why are you sad? No, they ask. Woman, why? Why? Why, why, why are you weeping? They took time to ask the question. They gave Mary time to answer. They didn't interrupt. They didn't give her a copy of the Seven Steps to a Better You book. They sat. They waited. They were silent with such an intimate question. So, friends, what makes you weep? Don't say you've never cried before. Oh, there might not be tears, but there is something that occup occupies your heart. There is something that holds on to your thoughts. Friends, what makes you weep when you look in the world? Why are you weeping? It's not to put you down. It's not to say, have faith. It's called curiosity. What occupies your heart enough to cause you to weep? Why are you weeping, they ask. And then, maybe the real miracle is that they get out of the way. They ask Mary, why are you weeping? And then they shut up. They get out of the way. And they allow Jesus to speak. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, you ready for this question? Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? 
Who are you looking for? Jesus asks. Again, John is calling us to go back to the beginning of the Gospel of John. Jesus' first question in the entire Gospel. John the Baptist is there baptizing with water. And when Jesus walks by, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Agnus Dei. So some of John's disciples start to follow Jesus. And Jesus, recognizing, recognizing that he's being followed, he turns and he says, we talked about this last week, he turns and says, what are you looking for? But friends, at the resurrection, the question has changed. It is no longer, what are you looking for? The question is now, who? Sorry, Briley, for whom are you looking? Excuse me. Resurrection, friends, changes the question. Supposing him to be the gardener, <laughs> supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. Understand, friends, this is not a case of mistaken identity. Of course she saw Jesus and thought he was a gardener. If we pay attention to Holy Week, it is a story of two gardens. There's the Garden of Gethsemane, a place of toil, a place where Jesus' sweat was like blood. Take this cup from me, Lord. And here in the garden tomb, where there is resurrection, where there is life, it is the entire story in a garden. Of course she thinks Jesus is the gardener because she is seeing Jesus for who he truly is. God in the flesh. God's first job was to plant a garden. After everything had been created, God is looking at creation. This is good, y'all. This is what he says. It's like the understatement of a millennia. God looks at everything and says, yeah, that's pretty good. It's all right. And then he plants a garden. It says he took the man or the human, the Hadam, he took the man and placed the man in the garden, took the human and placed And it's not take as in God's like, right hand, like grabbed him and put him in Barbie's dream house. Take is a wooing. It is a calling. Calgon, take me away. Do you remember that? It is a wooing God called to humanity and led us into, of course, she saw Jesus as a gardener. It was God's first job. She is seeing the resurrected Lord without blemish, without filter. She is seeing the glory of God. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that he had said to her. Do not hang on to me, Mary. Do not linger here. With resurrection comes movement. 
When you see Jesus, when you see this gardener, this author of life, when you come face to face with Christ in your neighbor, in your school, in your place of work, in your family, resurrection necessitates movement. Your soul begins to stir. Your soul begins to move. When you go to the Bossier Lighthouse and you see the joy on those children's faces because you have, off, you have authored uh, an Easter egg hunt for them, your soul begins to move. When you go with early responders after a disaster and you hold someone's hand and you've seen that they've lost everything and through tears they say, thank you so much for being here and thinking of me, your soul begins to move. When you hang out all semester with the confirmation students and you see a light bulb going off when they start to investigate their own faith of what they think of Jesus, what they think of the church, your soul begins to move. When you go to Willis Knighton and you hold someone's hand in that intimate place of recovery or that very honest place where there is no recovery, your soul begins to move. You feel your trajectory changing. You begin running away from the tomb when you start serving. The what that you have been looking for becomes the who you will never forget. What makes you weep? What has captured your heart? What occupies your mind? Hold it. Listen to it. And then, when you hear your name spoken, turn around and start moving. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.